Hello, this is your host, Jigme Keltsang, and welcome to the Jigme Keltsang Show, a podcast where I sit down with speakers, singers, songwriters, musicians, sports personalities, actors, radio broadcasters, and a slew of many other professionals of a broad range of fields. In this newest conversation, American country singer, songwriter, and NBC The Voice season 24 contestant Jordan Rayner talks about her experience on The Voice, latest single Straight Shot, how she saved money to pursue a music career by working at Daylight Donuts, meaning behind the woman in black, and more, as well as her upcoming tour. Now, with that being said, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Jordan, hello. It's, it's a pleasure to be able to join by you. Hi, man. How you doing? I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing well, and uh, it, it's it's got to be crazy. Uh, before we start recording, we started talking about how I guess it's it's I guess some somewhat odd to to adjust back to the normal life you had before. I guess going on to the Voice. Um, but before we talk about that, what has the Voice experience been like for you? Well, I mean that's a that's a loaded question because the Voice has many different facets i would say you know the competition itself uh was very challenging and it was grueling in a lot of ways um the experience behind the scenes you know with production and with the other contestants was really amazing and of course working with the coaches and that kind of thing um was a really rewarding experience too so i guess it really just depends on which facet of the show you're talking about for sure i I mean if if we're going to talk about anything about the voice i I guess in terms of working with Reba and being able to be mentored by Reba, but also you've also had the chance to be mentored by Winona Judd as well as, as part of that experience, I guess, I guess what was so captivating about working with Reba the whole way through, I guess. You know, you know, me and Reba are from the same town and, you know, that in itself kind of bonded us, I think, instantly because we had a lot of common ground. We had a lot of common experiences. And there's there's kind of a kindred spirit between people from Oklahoma. And even if we've never met before, fellow Oklahomans just naturally feel at home with one another. So she felt like an old friend the second I met her. And she treated me like one. You know, she treated me like an old friend, if not family. And she had a lot of wisdom to give. She had a lot of uh, generosity in her tutorship and her mentorship. And so it was really cool getting to to talk with her about everything from song choices to stage fright, to dealing with fame. It's, uh, it's been an interesting thing getting to know her. Absolutely. I mean, you've had so many performances on, on the voice and I guess if you were to choose sort of one particular performance that you did on, on that stage, is, is there one that sort of comes to mind? Yeah, I think my favorite performance on The Voice was Old Red, and it was my kind of last big moment on the show. And I feel like, you know, Old Red was kind of the first moment that I really felt like myself on the show without any nerves. I mean, I think it took me that long to get acclimated to the nerves and the pressure. And I felt like I sang like myself. I looked like myself, you know, so... I'm really proud of that performance and I wish looking back that I had been as solid and confident in the previous rounds as I was during Old Red. Absolutely. And I guess one of the the more notable performances that I guess sort of got a lot of attention was um, your uh, blind audition, Fancy, doing Reba McIntyre's song, but also the, the battle rounds where you sort of um, picked a um the heart won't lie um 
which was made popular by Reba and also the great Vince Gill. Um, what was so, I guess, fascinating about picking that song in particular, but also getting to work alongside someone like Jackson Snelling, who's just, who's had a voice of just an angel and, and having such a smooth tone to his, to his, I guess, caliber um of vocal capabilities i mean so what what was that song i guess particularly like uh yeah so <clears throat> reba picked that song herself and um i think that was the only round that i really didn't get a choice in in the song choice you know that was just kind of handed to us and um it was a challenge for sure because I, I typically don't sing ballads i don't typically sing songs like that one so I had to learn a lot I had to dig deep I had to consult with Reba and you know try to figure out where that song would sit in my voice and of course you know making it a, a duet as well you know singing it with Jackson super cool he's a super cool guy and um yeah I, I would say that was probably my most challenging round of course and 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 I guess the the whole thing about the the voice and and the experiencing the experiences that you had on there and making lifelong friends and and people can talk all about it and I guess also you know it also helps a lot when you know you have people in your corner um, and you have experiences where you grew up and uh, while well, you were born um, in Otoka Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, And sort of the experiences that you had there, sort of, I would put it as this way, it that experience of, I guess, growing up there, but also being raised in um, White Wright, Texoma. And I guess the experiences in both those places sort of helped you really build your confidence on that stage, doesn't it, I guess? Um, yeah, I'm not sure what the question was in that, but, um, yeah, I think where I come from is a big part of who I am and the, the presence that I have on stage Us takes on the red dirt people. We we're gritty people. We were hardworking people We're blue collar people. And so, you know, that grit, that work ethic, that fire definitely shows up in my songs and in my artistry. And I'm very proud of where I come from. And I think I carry that with me everywhere I go. Absolutely. And can we also talk about something that I was like uh, really captivated by in terms of your story was the the story about the Daylights Donut Shop um, and sort of, I don't know how to really describe it. I guess you're sort of in this mode where you're sort of desperate um, and you really wanted to to make an earning and actually make make yourself known in terms of musically speaking, in terms of the country music business and moving to Nashville and stuff like that. Um, and I guess sort of a friend sort of uh, reached out to you and, and said that, you know, we sort of didn't have the affordability at that point, but we can take you on here um, and see where it goes. And so she, she had the belief in you um, mm-hmm. from, from the get go and said, work alongside us and, and let's see what we can manage out of the whole thing and here you are um you know when you had a tip jar and sort of make you had every little tip or dime to 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 scratch your way into making a career into nashville i guess yeah um and you sort of put it as nashville or bust yeah. um so how did that experience sort of and and that belief from from that person um helped you sort of build your confidence in terms of having a career altogether i guess 
Uh, well, working in a donut shop didn't necessarily help me build my confidence in a career, but that was a place uh, in my life where I had to really decide what I wanted out of life and make some uh, some tough choices to do what I had to do in order to get there, right? And so um, the, the period in my life that you're talking about, <clears throat> pardon me, it's allergy season, um, that was in my mid twenties and I had found myself broke, homeless, jobless, carless, and didn't have anything to my name and I couldn't find a job. And so, yeah, my best friend owned a donut shop at the time and she reached out to me and she said, Hey, I know you're struggling. I know you're kind of in bad shape. I can't offer you much, but come wash dishes at my donut shop. And so I did. And I started working 12 AM to 10 AM shifts at that donut shop, washing dishes and, uh, making breakfast for people. And that was, the way that I was able to save up penny by penny enough to be able to get to Nashville and start building a future there. And so coming from a rock bottom place and coming from the ground up, this dream means everything to me because I have fought for it. I have bled for it. I've cried for it. And it keeps me grateful every stage that I step on um, and I get to make a little money doing what I do. I'm so grateful and so uh, astounded that we've come this far. Absolutely. And and I guess um, just just reading a quote that you said about it, and, and I want to share this with the listeners, and I think it's it's really poignant and, and speaks volumes to to where you are today, because you really did scratch your way in, into making a career, um, because it shows clear in terms of that quote that you said. You said, I was just desperate, and finally I put this kind of rant out on Facebook about feeling so kicked while I'm down and so frustrated, and my best friend saw that post and she owned a donut shop at that time she called me up and said hey we technically can't afford to hire anybody but come work at a donut shop and see what we can do for you yeah and you said i'll take it and every little tip and little dime that i got i put in a glass jar that said nashville or bust i worked in that donut shop until we had one thousand dollars in cash and somebody helped us buy a car and that's how we started our journey to nashville and it was yeah. hard it was so hard but we made it i mean now that we're talking about this this whole experience, sure. follow up with the experience on The Voice, mm -hmm. um, which has been massive for you and and sort of one of the major career launching points, um, but also building the friendships that you had there at the same time. Um, when you look back and and hear that quote in your head, and you sort of you 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 replay it what sort of comes what sort of comes to mind when you hear that back um just that it was worth it and you know at the time when you're when you're in that moment of being so desperate and you're at the bottom of the barrel and you're at the end of your rope and you keep making the decision just day by day to keep putting one foot in front of the other and you don't know where it's going to lead. You don't know if it's going to work. You don't know if you're going to even get anywhere. Um, that's, that's what I think back to. And I think, you know, here I am eight years later, having spent every day of those eight years, just putting one foot in front of the other. And you can look behind you all of a sudden and see miles and miles and miles of tracks and footprints. And there were so many days where you didn't feel like you were getting anywhere and that it was all pointless and that it was, not going to amount to anything, but next thing you know, you know, you get an opportunity like The Voice, you get that phone call, and you all of a sudden get a giant spotlight on all the work you've put in, and that hard work pays off. Um, it's it's a pretty incredible 
journey. It certainly has been for you, and um, it it's shown clearly right through with the viewers on on the Voice, and and um, your stories have resonated with people. And I guess talking about the whole thing, just growing up in Otoka, Oklahoma, and I and I know we talked about this earlier on, but um, I really want to stress this point by saying, you know, here's here's a young woman who grew up in Otoka, Oklahoma but was raised in the Texoma area, um, scratched and, and really fought her way through to get, to get a career in the music business. Um, you have to do any little thing, even if it's the worst thing in the world and you hate it. Um, you really have to, that's what makes this whole dream worth it. Um, you're going to have experiences where you're not going to like the first job you get. You're not going to like the second job you get. Um, but when someone believes in you and puts that faith in terms of building that career that you wished upon for so long, it just feels so surreal at the end of the day. And then sort of you go home and you put your head on your pillow and you say, you know, you're grateful to wake up and do music every day um, and get to do it as a career. Um, I mean, does it ever happen to you sort of like, I guess, waking up in the morning nowadays and, and thinking that, you know, you're grateful to be able to, to do music as, as a work thing, I guess. Every day, absolutely. Every day I, <clears throat> I wake up and I, I have a long to-do list of things that need to be done as a, as a musician, as a touring musician and as a full-time content creator. Um, and I probably stop at least two or three times a day and just go, I'm the luckiest person in the world. This is what I get to do to make a living. I, I sell t-shirts, I sell concert tickets, I post Instagram stories and TikTok stories, and that pays my bills. And, you know, you probably might think, well, oh, it must be nice, you know, lucky you. But I've put in the work, I have put in the hundreds of hours that it takes to learn how to make great content, how to do TikTok, how to do all these things that, you know, a few years ago, I never would have imagined were going to be supporting me and helping me make a living. And yeah, I think about it every day and I'm thankful for it every day. And then to also tell me about um, your, your parents and sort of the influences they had in you in terms of musically speaking, because I know that they played a huge part in, in sort of that, I guess, the molding of of, of who you become today. Sure. <clears throat> so I, uh, I'm a preacher's kid. You know, my dad's a preacher. And um, my mama is a church pianist and singer and vocalist. And so a lot of my musical um, background comes from playing in church, being around church music. And that's that's kind of where I grew up. And I, I developed a love for country music kind of on my own because I didn't grow up around it. My parents didn't play country music for me on the radio or anything like that. And so as a teenager, I kind of found it by watching CMT and realizing, Hey, there's a, <clears throat> there's a lot more music out there that I didn't know about, but my parents um, always found a way to put instruments in my hand because they knew that I loved making music and we didn't come from a lot of money. We didn't have a lot growing up. And so if I wanted a guitar, if I wanted a drum set, my parents took on odd jobs and found ways to save money so that they could put instruments in my hand. So they are a huge part of why I do what I do. For sure. And I guess um, I, I also really want to um, express this quote that you sort of were, were telling a story about your parents and sort of how they, they raised you in terms of musically speaking. 
You said, when it comes to playing quote and unquote real music, all I can say is Mama Tribe, my amazing patient mother, who is a world-class pianist, would sit me down for 30 minute lessons, which I would wind, which I wind to complain through every second of. Then as soon as she'd leave the room, I'd start picking out songs that I knew by ear. And well, I guess at some point she gave up because here I am with a career in country music and can't play Flight of the Bumblebee on piano. My dad was a by-ear guy, too. He's a top-notch banjo, guitar, bass, mandolin picker. Well, honestly, anything with strings, you could sit down with a brand-new instrument and play a song on it five minutes later. I'm that way, too. He somewhat nurtured and encouraged, encouraged that in me. And somewhere between mom and dad, I am what I am musically. Um, so I guess the, the whole thing with um, your whole music career, and I know that we talk a lot about um fighting your way through finding your way through and finding your spot in business um but it's those little parts of your life where you sort of people really take it for granted i feel um you know they they really go on to their own life and and you know they move out of their house and and they live on their own or live with their partner and they think it's all it's all good and jolly but at the end of the day they they forget that who's the more important people in your life who really built that in you. Um, and I guess the parent, your parents have really solidified that, that belief. Um, isn't, isn't that accurate for you? Yeah. Yeah. My family is a huge part of, of everything I do. I, they are my support system. They've flown out four different times to see me on the voice um, and to support me. And they were there the round that I got eliminated off the show and, I was really sad, of course, after I got eliminated off the show and didn't want to see them, didn't want to talk to anybody. I just wanted to go to my hotel room and, and be bummed out. And they wouldn't let me. They found out where my room was and they kind of banged my door down and uh, just surrounded me and supported me. And so everything I do uh, wouldn't be possible without that support system behind me. And also, I, I want to share this with the listeners that um, um, there's a really cool story about... Um, um you i guess you calling yourself the woman in black and i'm really curious about that story um could you share that with the listeners and and what woman in black sort of means i guess sure so i come from a background of very low self-esteem um the woman that you see now the woman you see on stage this confident fiery woman who ain't scared of nothing that's not the woman i used to be um, I come from a religious background and the way that I was raised, uh, I'm not saying that every religious background is this way, but it was true for me, uh, that women were supposed to be submissive and were somewhat less than to men. And, um, there was a big priority on humility and being humble and being meek. And in a way, I feel like that that religious background kind of translated in my mind as being a doormat, as being less than and hanging my head low and not having self-confidence. And so that's how I spent the first half of my life. And when I was about 25, 26 years old, I can I can remember very clearly the moment that um, <clears throat> I just decided I wasn't gonna be that person anymore. I was going to like myself. I was going to like who I am and I was gonna be who I was and not apologize for it. And um, there was a person in my life at that time, who was uh, who was abusive to me and was somebody who uh, beat me down emotionally, psychologically, and really put 
my my soul in the gutter. And the day that I stood up to that person, I looked him in the face and I said, you have no right to talk to me the way you talk to me. You have no right to treat me this way and you will never do it again. That moment was the moment the woman in black was born when I found out I had a strength in me that I didn't know I had. And so when I wear black, whenever I put on that jacket, put on that hat, put on these shades, I feel like I am stepping into the presence of that woman that I want to be. And that's my outward expression of that woman and that strength that I found. For sure. And I guess if you don't mind me asking also, because I feel that there's just something so interesting about that point that you just made, because I talked to a lot of people here and uh, talked to a lot of musicians and, and the voice contestants on the show, but um, I rarely get to ask this question to people like yourself. Um, I mean, when you sort of changed that narrative and you changed the perspective of, of now here's Jordan Rayner as the woman in black, um, she's changed for the better. She's become stronger. She's become more confident. Um, she's become more witty. She's become more talented. Um, and she's become more fierce and more powerful. Um, what does it mean now to you to be, to be a woman in the business and to know um, how you changed that person to the woman in black? So what does it mean to be a woman in music today, I guess? You know, um, I hate to sound like a cliche, but it's, it's hard being a woman in this business. Um, I wish that it weren't true. And I, I feel like there's a lot of people that say it and it kind of sounds like a broken record, but it's, uh, it's very true. Women are held to a different standard than men. And one of those standards is the aesthetics. It's how you look. And I've gotten uh, a lot of pushback from the industry on how I look and the fact that I don't look like your typical feminine little girl that wears a sundress and plays a cute little guitar. You know, I'm, I'm kind of my own thing. And there's been a lot of people in the industry that don't quite know what to make of it. And they want to soften me and they want to, you know, kind of change who I am because I don't fit in the box. And honestly, I don't feel like men have as big of a struggle with that as women did. I feel like if I was a man and I walked in dressed the way I dress and talking the way I talk, the industry would think, oh, he's cool. He knows who she, who he is and he's got a look, he's got a thing. But because it's a woman and she doesn't fit in the box, it's like, oh, we don't really know what to do with that. That makes us a little nervous. Um, so being a woman in the industry, I think it's more important than ever for me to stick to who I am, to stick to my guns, stick to my look. Because you know what? My look and the way that I dress on stage and the way that I go out in public, that is what makes me feel beautiful. Like I don't put on a costume or wear that stuff to be controversial. I look in the mirror every day when I'm getting dressed and I'll try on this shirt, that shirt, I'll try on different jackets and whatever until I look in the mirror and go, dang, she looks good. And that's what I walk out in. And every woman and every man deserves the right to be able to walk out the door feeling like they look like a million bucks and nobody be able to say a thing about it. Absolutely. Well, I mean, um, this this whole, I guess, um, this whole persona, and I guess in terms of Jordan Rayner as the 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 woman in black, and and I know we talked a lot about sort of um, how your whole experiences as as overall, I guess, 
has shaped you to who you are today. Um, I guess we also have to talk about your single Straight Shot. Um, uh, tell me about that song. Yeah, yeah. So that is my current single right now. It's currently number one in Texas, which is crazy. I'm so excited to have my first Texas radio number one with Straight Shot. And it is the song that my tour is named after. I'm currently working on putting together the Straight Shot tour for 2024. And that song really embodies who I am as, a, as an artist, as a woman. The first line out of that song says, I don't apologize for what I am. And that's kind of the motto that I live by. And I think that song is empowering to me. And a lot of the people that hear it feel empowered by it as well. So I'm very, very proud of that song and very proud that it's being received by fans and radio. For sure. And I and I guess also, um, it's, I mean, you were celebrating your first number one single straight shot um, and your uh, previous releases of, of Top 15 Damn Sandwich and Top 20 You Made a Rock um and your collab with texas red dirt artist shane porter um your 2024 straight shot tour kicking off in january um i guess as we're wrapping up here and 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 talking about the whole thing um tell me about this 2024 straight shot tour i mean you're starting from mars music hall on january 12th um in huntsville alabama um and you're ending your tour an American Americana Bean Jamboree Festival at Bill Monroe Music Park, Morgantown. Um, I guess tell us tell the listeners about this exciting upcoming straight shot tour and what what's in store for people. Uh yeah. So first off, we're not ending the tour there. That is just the current date uh that we have. Like it's the latest date we have so far. We are adding dates to this tour constantly and so the current tour dates that we have right now won't be all that we're doing we are adding constantly and so yeah we're kicking off in Huntsville Alabama January 12th and <clears throat> depending on which venue you come to there's some venues where I'm just going to be doing an intimate night with just me and an acoustic guitar and other venues I'm bringing my full band and we're going to put on the full show but no matter what format you come and see me in I'm going to bring 110 percent I'm going to bring you the show of a lifetime tell stories involve the audience in the show it's going to be be such a good time it's family friendly um minus maybe a curse word or two here and there but it's going to be a whole lot of fun i'm bringing some friends out on the road with me so you never know you might see a surprise special guest it's gonna be a lot of fun absolutely well i mean if you could pull off a sneak peek in terms of who might be there uh is there is there one name or one friend that you're bringing along that you could tease the listeners with well, I do have a couple of my friends from The Voice that I'm talking to about uh, joining me on a couple of shows, including my Chattanooga, Tennessee show. I'm going to be bringing Bias from Team Gwen with me, and I am also talking to a couple of other people as well. So you just have to stay tuned. Well, are we going are we going to see the recent winner Huntley on on that tour as well, or? You know, I, I would have to talk to him and I bet he would love to hop on a show. So I know he's going to be really busy doing some things with the voice in the new year. We'll just have to see. Uh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we've reached the end of our time together, but thank you so much for speaking with me. It's been a, a real pleasure to be able to, to, to speak with you and to, to learn about your whole story. And um, it, it, it's, it's been an honor to see you on that stage and, and shine the way you've, you've done on, on, on the voice and, um, 
I mean, I, I, I hope you feel satisfied from that experience and I hope you feel um, more than empowered in, in terms of um, your career. Um, I, I hope you feel like that woman in black again. Um, and you, I hope you continue to, to share more of your story with people. Um, but thank you again. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time, man. I mean, uh, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with country singer, songwriter, NBC, the voice season 24 is Jordan Rayner um, to reach Jordan. You can connect with her on social media. And if you want more information about her tour and stuff like that, go and visit her uh, website, Jordan Um, But uh, if you want more actual information in terms of the tour itself or anything sort of press related, you can also go to Brickshore Media and um, all of her uh, PR stuff and management, and they can hook you up all the details with with that and stuff like that. Um, But uh, if you enjoyed this episode, you'd like to help support the podcast, feel free to share with others, post about on social media, or leave a rating or review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow the show on all social media platforms. I've been your host, I've been your host, Shippe Keltzing. Thanks for tuning into the show. Thank you.